right, I'm going to open us up in prayer. We're going to be in the book of Romans. Surprise, surprise, in chapter 6. We'll be finishing up chapter 6. Um, I'm going to kind of uh, catch us up a little bit. And also we're going to be thinking, or I want to plant some seeds for next week when we get into chapter 7. So um, let's open up in prayer. And I ask as, as I open up in prayer over this service that uh, you all would be praying for me through this, that God's Word would be made clear uh, and as swift as possible, right? <laughs> Uh, let's let's open up in prayer, Lord. Oh man, um, I love coming and gathering with your people here, uh, and I am just blown away that you would give me opportunity uh, to stand before them uh, and preach to them. Uh, Lord, I I pray that I would always do justice in the time that I spend in study and in preparation. Uh, so that their lives can be uh, better affected by the preached word, um, that they would be uh, the kind of people that change the world. Lord, I, I don't think that's too big a dream for us to have here. Um, I think that that's, in fact, what you've called us to do, Lord, and, and you sent out 12 as you ascended. And we are here today because of 12, Lord. And I just glanced around, didn't get any hard numbers, but I know I see more than 12 here tonight. Um, so I just pray that we would um, be encouraged by Your Word, uh, that we would be sanctified by Your Word, uh, that we would be um, pricked in the heart and, and, and encouraged and motivated to uh, go out into this world uh, looking for how we can be the change in others' lives, Lord. Um, I pray that you would use me tonight to encourage your, uh, to encourage your people, uh, that we would get a, a deeper and better understanding of who we are as believers, where we stand as believers, and where we are going as believers as we dig into this gospel that we find in the book of Romans. I thank you again so much and it is such a great honor uh, to stand here i pray that you would seal my lips that i would speak nothing of myself but that your truth would uh, be poured out tonight in this place from your word it's in christ's name for his glory amen all right we're going to be in chapter six of romans we're going to be looking at verse 15 is where we're going to start we're going to go through the end of chapter 6. I want to talk for a little bit about where we're going to be starting next week, and it'll probably be a couple of weeks, I imagine, in chapter 7. There's some particular things in chapter 7 that we're going to dig into and, and we're going to wrestle with. I want to go ahead and put out there, um, before we get there, so that you can all be preparing and studying and reading ahead of time, that probably the way that I'm going to teach you chapter 7 is not the way that you've heard it before. Now, man, that should immediately throw off red flags for you, right? I want you to get that, and that's why I want to put it out there for you, right? Now, you may have heard it preached in the way that I'm going to preach it to you as we get into it, but I want to go ahead and put out there that you're likely going to hear chapter 7 somewhat differently 
than the way you've probably heard it in the past or, or probably the way that it, if you were to just pick up next week and go into chapter 7 studying for yourself that you might come out of that chapter feeling, right? So I want to go ahead again, put that out there. I want the warning flags to go off in your minds, right? I don't want you to come into that part of the study not having been prepared, not having been warned, and then you hear something that you've, you've maybe not heard in regards to that chapter in the past. I want to go ahead and put out there some potential things that you could think about in regards to that. One is I could be completely wrong, right? One is I could be completely wrong, and this is why I want you to be in study of this book. My goal is never to mislead, right? So one, I could be completely wrong. Two, you could have been preached this text out of context every time you've heard it preached, right? So those, those are a couple of potential things, right? And I'm going to try to address this chapter very carefully, very meticulously when we get there. But one thing that I've been doing up to this point is building up your knowledge of this book so that when we get there, we can better understand what we're being told in chapter 7, right? So I'm going to be, and I have been telling you this through chapter 6, right? And I've been pointing you to chapter 8 as well so that you can be prepared when we get to chapter 7, when we start addressing chapter 7, that you won't be caught off guard as far as why when we get there we're going to see it the way that we're seeing it. Because what I hope and pray is that I show this chapter to you in the context of the entire book of Romans and in the context of what Paul is trying to tell us as believers, right? So through chapter 6, which is we're going to be in chapter 15 or chapter 6 verse 15 tonight. When we when we get through this, I want you to get a couple of things that I want to be solid in your minds. One, you have been given a new nature. Right, We've covered this in a couple of different spots as we've looked through uh, chapter 6. Um, I'm just going to point you to, to chapter 6, verse 4. We were, we were buried with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised, and we talked about that a couple of weeks back, that just as we go back to chapter 1 and we see that Christ was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit, Right? We have been raised just as Christ was raised. We have been raised to life by the power of the Spirit. From the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Right? You have been given as believers a new life. Right? A life unlike the lives that you had prior to this. Right? Follow me. You are a new creation. You are a new creature, right? The moment that you placed your faith in the finished work of Christ, you were made new, right? You were made new. The Holy Spirit now indwells every aspect of your life, and it leads you on to righteousness, right? You died to sin. This is going to be something that we dig into a little bit more in chapter 7. We've already covered in a couple of places here. This verse in particular says that we've died, right? 
in baptism. This is a symbol of what's taking place in us. You've died, been raised again, empowered by the Holy Spirit, called to live new lives, right? Called to live lives different from the lives that you lived before. And because of this, this death and new life, right? This death, new life, in who? Enabled through what? The death, burial, resurrection, the life that He lived in and through Christ. This is made available to you. You now live in new life. You live in Christ, right? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing that I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to show you, and I hope that the last two times we've been showing this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it outright, that you are not slaves of sin. Alright? You are not slaves of sin. I'm going to say it again. You are not slaves of sin. I want to say it a hundred times because I'm saying this knowing what Paul is saying in chapter 7. And what is he going to say in chapter 7? If you read chapter 7, and this is the, where, where I'm telling you that likely when we get there, you're not going to hear it as, as you've probably heard it. Before, because what Paul's telling us in chapter 6 is what? You're not. Now, is Paul crazy? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Just slightly crazy. (laughs) Some of the things he lives, the world would call crazy. (laughs) He's crazy for Christ. But he's not crazy in the like, stick him in a loony bin way. Right? And as this book's being written, his memory is not so short term that he doesn't remember when he's, when he's doing the chapter 7 thing, what he said in chapter 6. How do we know this? Because he goes right back to it when we get into chapter 8. Right? When, when you go and study this week or in the weeks leading up to when we get into that passage of text, one thing that I want you to do, do this. It's an amazing thing. You can, and, don't think that I'm saying take out Scripture, right? Because chapter 7 has its place. What I want to show you an amazing thing is that the thought that Paul is ending with at the end of chapter 6, he picks back up on chapter 8, verse 1, right? In such a fluid way that you could literally read to the end of 6, go over to chapter 8, and it'd be picking up on the same thought. So there's something going on in chapter 7 that I want us to explore, right? So that's kind of the build-up for the weeks to come, right? Chapter 7, where Paul says, you know, what a miserable man that I am, right? I do the things that I don't want to do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do. Like this crazy, like, schizophrenic Paul that we seem to see in chapter 7. I want us to think about what's going on there. What is he trying to tell us there? What's the purpose of all of chapter 7 when he's telling us in the text here that we're not slaves of sin? And we're going we're gonna to see that. And I want you to be... Like I say, I want that to be locked down in your mind, unquestionable. This is why probably one of the better ways when you're in your personal study to study the Bible is to start at a clear starting point, like the beginning of a book, and progress through that book so that you get the thought from beginning to end. Because sometimes, if we were to just start in the middle of something, not knowing what's been said prior to that, we could be confused... We could think he's saying something that he's not saying. 
So for us, when we get to chapter 7, that's not going to be the case because y'all have had like more than 20 hours worth of the book of Romans leading you up to that point in the text. So the context of all that's been said so far will be in your minds leading into that. And I want us to, to kind of get there tonight by digging into the last part of chapter 6. And in doing that, Paul is here finishing up an argument that he started in chapter 5. Right? Some of Paul's arguments we've had to break up along the way just for the sake of time. I mean, his, his fluidity of thought through this whole thing, like everything is so well thought out in his mind, the layout of this gospel, that literally we're going to go back and look at some things in chapter 2 tonight that are key and essential for us understanding chapter 6, right? So we're going to take a step back at some point tonight and look at a particular thing that he said in chapter 2. Um, so Paul starts this in chapter 5. I'll look at verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abound, abounded all the more. So that sin, that as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This thought then leads him into a series of questions. In chapter 6, 1, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might abound? And he answers that how? Quickly, he says, by no means. So should we continue in sin so that the grace of God can overflow? He said, that's just a foolish thought to think. He says, quickly, by no means. And then he shows us, over the course of a couple of verses, why that would be a foolish thing to think to begin with. And in ending that thought, in verse 14 of chapter 6, for sin will have no dominion over you. What does that sound like? Does that sound like slavery to sin? Guys, guys ladies, does that sound like slavery to sin? What does it sound like? It sounds a lot like freedom. So I want to tell you, you are free from the dominion of sin. This is what Scripture tells you. You are free from the dominion of sin. Hear me in this if you are struggling with sin today. Hear me. Hear me, please. You are not a slave of that sin. That sin has no dominion over you if you are in Christ. Now that's a big if. If you're not in Christ, then you're enslaved to sin. You're enslaved to sin in a very interesting kind of way. You give yourself over to sin is what we're going to find. Christian, you used to give yourself over to sin. And just as you used to give yourself over to sin, now Scripture is going to tell us, give yourself over just as you used to give yourself over to sin to righteousness, right? We're going to find this kind of parallel between the life that you used to live and the life that you're now called to live. And when you were enslaved to sin, you sinned willingly. That's an interesting kind of slavery there, right? You sinned because it was who you are, right? Now you've been made something new by the power of God and you've been called to something higher. And I want us to 
get that as we dig in here. So, verse 14, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Christian, you are not under the law. And this is the idea that he's following along here. You've died to sin. You've died to the law. You're alive in Christ. You're alive in grace. You are not under the law. The law is completed in Christ. You, believer, are in Christ. Right? Do you, do you follow me here? You are under grace. You are under grace, no longer enslaved to sin. You are not slaves of sin. Sin has no dominion over you. I feel like, I feel like I need to say that a thousand times. How many of us, I just want you to be honest, how many of us probably need to hear that on a weekly basis? I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to sin. Yeah, and I was going to back down. Daily. How many of you daily? I'm not a slave to sin. Say it, say it with me. I'm not a slave to sin. If you're a believer, you are not enslaved to sin. Sin has lost its grip on you. Right? This is the life that we live now. I want you to get this. If you are a believer, if you have placed your faith in the finished work of Christ, you rest in grace, not in the works of the law. Right? Not in the checking off of lists that's going to make you look good. But in Christ you live. Right? In Christ you find your life. In Christ you find your purpose. So now that he's brought this up, right? Now that he said you're not under the law, but you're under grace. Do you know what a question's going to rise out of that? He asked the question here in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Right? The, the very question that our hearts would tend to is, well, if I'm not under the law, does that mean I can break it? Right? Does that mean, if I'm free from it, does that mean that I can meddle in it? Right? That, that I can like keep it over here and on occasion I'm going to go back over and I'm going to... Sin a little bit. I'm going to break that law because that one, I like to break that one. Right? Is that what we've been freed for? Have we been freed in that kind of way? Have we been freed in a way that we would be like, I think I'm going back to that because I'm free from it. Preacher said I'm, I'm free from it. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus, let me go sin a little more because I'm free from it. Is that the kind of mindset that we are to have as believers? Absolutely not. And that's what, that's what Paul's going to say here. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? And he answers it immediately. Like he answered the question previously, are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? So can we do it so it makes God look good? That's the first. Can we do it since it doesn't make us look bad? No. By no means. He says, by no means. And then for the rest of this chapter, he's going to dig into that idea and that thought. As we 
dig through this tonight. I'm big on words, right? I'm big on words. Pay attention to the words that he uses. Pay attention to the language that he uses. I want to go ahead and plant a seed in your mind that the language he is using here is a language of freedom for you as a believer. Right? I want you to go ahead and be looking for that as we dig through this text. This is a language of freedom that he's using here. Right? Get that. Kind of dig into that. Take hold of that as a believer. Do you not know? Verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? Alright, now I want us to go back and we're going to look at that again and then we're going to kind of go through the next couple of verses really breaking that idea down. So I want us to be clear on kind of where we're, where we're driving with, with this. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, right? This is what? A free, willing, giving yourself over to sin. Right? If you present yourselves, Right? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the one, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? I want you to get this picture of giving yourself over, right? This, this idea that you willingly step there, that you want to go there, right? I want y'all to Follow that idea with me. Because that's who you used to be, right? I want, I want y'all to be clear on this in your minds that that's not who you are now. Right? Follow me here. That there's two styles of living that are addressed in this text. One, giving over to sin. One, giving over to righteousness. The one giving over to sin is lost. The one giving over to righteousness is saved. Follow me here, right? Follow me through the text as we explore this. Because I want want us to consider and I want us to ask ourselves, can we live lives given over to sin as believers? What does the Bible seem to tell us in regards to lives given over in willing obedience to sin. What is that a picture of? Death. Being lost. Not knowing Christ. Not being in Christ. As believers, I want you to get this. That you will not live a life of willing obedience to sin. You will war against sin. I want to be clear also that I'm not telling you that you come to Christ, you believe this stuff, and then it's just easy. You just don't sin. Right? I don't want you to get that I'm telling you that, because that is not at all what I'm telling you. But you war against sin. You do not make peace with your sin. Do you know that there's a difference there? Do you know that there's a difference between handing yourself over and making war against? And I want to, I want you to get this also as a believer, that you make war against sin from a position of freedom from sin. Right? Not as one enslaved to it, fighting for freedom. 
right? That's not the position that we fight for. We don't fight as though now we're going to be set free by our fighting. You are free, no longer under the dominion of sin, and because of that, you desire to fight. Do you follow me there? Do you follow me? Do you get that chain of thinking there? Because that's not who you were before you came to Christ. That's not who you were. You willingly obeyed your slave master, and that slave master was sin. Now you live lives in rebellion to sin, where once you were rebels against God. Now you live your lives in willing submission to righteousness. In willing submission as slaves will find of God. How does Paul open up the book of Romans? Paul, a slave of Christ. A bond servant. The word that he uses there in the beginning of Romans, I'd mentioned then that we would pick back up on that at some point. The word doulos. Literally in chains to Christ. But he's not in chains to Christ thinking, man, I wish I could get free from this. He loves where he stands in Christ. We as believers love that we have been set free from sin and enslaved to God. This is a life that we willingly choose. That we willingly live in. Right? So follow me as we go through this. You are slaves the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads where? To death. Or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Obedience leading where? To righteousness. So I want you to get this idea in your mind that your lives being lived out now as believers are lives that make progress towards righteousness. Right? Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm telling you? Right? That the, there may be times where you struggle and there may be times where it's harder than you think that it should be, but progress is going to be made in your life throughout your life because progress is not made by you. Progress is made by the Spirit who has called you and made you new. Right? You are new creations who've been called into obedient living. This obedience leads to what? To righteousness. Now I want you to I want you to pay attention as we go through this. And this is why I say pay close attention to words, right? Pay close attention to the tense in which he refers to your slavery to sin, and then pay attention to the tense in which he speaks to you being enslaved to righteousness. Verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who what? What does it say? Used to be who once were slaves of sin. What does that mean? If you once were. Is that talking about today? Believer, is that talking about you today? You once were. You once were slaves of sin. But you have been set free from that. Do you... I don't, I don't know. And man, sometimes I think I know it. And then I'm like, Lord, I could, there's so much more that you can, 
show me here. Like we can experience these things and know these things. And you may be sitting here and this may not be a new thing for you. But I, I want you to ask that the Lord would drag us deeper into this truth. Right? Every single one of you raised your hands and said, at least weekly, probably most of us daily, feel the struggle with sin that is real. And feel like we need to be told I'm not slaves to that. Do you? Do you? In the midst of the fight, remind yourself that you're not slaves to this. Your, your mind towards the situation matters. We're going to find that, that part of this sanctification thing that's taking place in us has a whole lot to do with our mind and the way that we think. Right? We're not a part of a faith that separates the mind from believing. Right? We're part of a faith that changes the way that we think. Right? That changes us to think right thoughts about who God is and, and who we are. And in this, we learn to battle. We learn to wage war against who we once were, knowing that we will never be that person again. Right? I want you to know this, that as you wage war, your fear should not be that you will be overcome. Right? They've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimonies. Right? So as you battle, and I know that the battle and the war is real, the thing that I want you to know in your mind, the thing that I want you to be reciting day after day is I am not a slave of this any longer. And when you fall, you repent. You wage war with repentance. Do you get this? Do you get this? You wage war with repentance. That's why I say be quick to repent. Be quick to fall at the feet of our Savior. Repent quickly, church. Repent quickly and know, know that you are not enslaved to it. And your end is not death, but life. Your end is life if you believe. If you believe. But thanks be to God. Do we give thanks for that? Do you give thanks? Are you thankful? When I tell you, when I tell you that your end is eternal life, believer, are you thankful to God in that? Are you? Can I get an amen from you? Amen that we are no longer slaves to sin. Thank you, Lord, that when I was not looking for you, you came looking for me. Thank you, God. This truth should lead us to worship Him. Thanks be to God, not thanks be to the effort that I'm going to put in tomorrow. Do you follow me? Not thanks be to I'm going to get stronger, that I'm going to work through this thing. Not thanks be to my faithfulness. Not thanks be to my church attendance. Not thanks be to I'm going on mission trips. 
Thanks be to God and God alone. That you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. You have become obedient. Do you, do you get this? Do you get that you are something new? Believers, follow me here. Okay? In this chapter, I want it to be for you the most encouraging, helpful, and hopeful passage of text that we're leading, th- that we're leading through up to this point. There have been some that have been hard, I know. In this, I want you to know who you are. And I want you to know that you are new, right? That you are new. And I want, do you know that you're new? Right? Do you know that you're new? As a believer, do you know that He's transformed you? That He is, in fact, today transforming you? Do you know that? The trials and the tribulation and the struggles and the wrestling and the warring is all in the end for your good. Do you know this? This is sanctification, people. This is what it means for Him to make us new. Because when you stand in glory, given your new bodies, and you worship Him, there will not be one word of I did it on any of our lips. Thanks be to God will be what we cry. Do you get that He is making you new? That He came searching for you. He changed you. He is making you new. And He will not fail in it. The one who began the good work will surely finish the good work in you believers. And He does this by changing who you are. Turn back. Look at this. He's talking about the heart here. Your heart is changed. Friends, your heart is changed. Who you are in your center, in your core, in your heart, has been changed by Him. If you've placed your faith in Christ, in the finished work of Christ, flip back over, chapter 2, verse 29, starts mentioning circumcision, and what circumcision represents for us in the church, is that cutting off of what's old, verse 29, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of what? The heart. By who? The Spirit. Who changed you? Who made you new? Who gave you a new heart? Who is today giving you new desires? Who? Will He fail you in that? Then wage war against your sin. Because you will win. You will overcome. Sin has no dominion over you. Do you follow the truth of that statement? That you are not slaves to sin. You are slaves to righteousness. What does that mean for you, believer? That you will do righteous work. 
You will because you're slaves to righteousness. And you give yourself over to this slavery. Do you get that? Do you believe that? Is that where you are? Church, is that where we are as believers? Do we know this to be true in our lives? Let your mind be renewed to this truth. And when you get up tomorrow or when you leave church today, repent, repent, repent. Tell yourself again and again and again what Scripture tells us, that you are not slaves. You are not slaves to unrighteousness. You are slaves to God. I want you to follow me as we continue through this. This should be for us, and I pray that it is for you, an absolutely mind-blowing thing that we know that the God who started this work is fulfilling this work that we will not lose in this battle though the battle rages on that victory is ours in christ i want us to know this i want us to be this to be something that we have just ingrained in our minds that we know this to be true right so 17 but thanks be to god that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching. Do you see heart, mind, heart, mind, teaching, obedient? Do you, do you see this connection, right? That what you think is how you will live, friends. That if you think wrongly about God and the way that He looks at you, you will live that way. And many of you probably live in fear of God. Many of you, when you fail and you struggle and you fall, probably run from Him when you should be running to Him. Because you fear what He thinks about you in that moment. Friend, you were not doing good when He came for you. You weren't. He came for you in the midst of who you were. And He's changing you all along the way. Right? So think rightly about who God is and about how He looks at you. As a believer. So that as you war, you don't feel like you're out there alone in the battle. God is with you. And God is warring with you, for you. He will not fail in this. And in all of this, He's sanctifying us individually and as a community of believers, right? All of this has a big picture, right? All of this has a big picture that's moving forward into eternity. So in eternity, we'll think big thoughts about God. We'll think right thoughts about God. He won't have to make you forget about this life so that you no longer weep over it. Because you'll see what He's been doing all along. All along. Every struggle, every trial, every failure, every beat down, every seeming defeat. God is, in fact, working all things together for you. Right? When we start thinking like this, when our minds are fixed on this, we start looking at the way that we live differently. Right? This is the kind of truth that emboldens us to live lives 
that don't look and say, I'm just a slave to that. I'm just enslaved. I'll, do, I'll just never be free from that. There's no hope. I'm just lay down my arms. I'm going to fight that. I'm going to wage war against that. To waking up every morning knowing that the victory is yours. In Him. In Him. Always in Him. Never in you. You wage war with repentance. Believer, repent. 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 Be quick to repent of your sin and fall before Him because He is the only one who will and could ever save you and change you. And He's promised this for us. He's promised this for us. And, verse 18, and having been set free from sin, again the wording here, are you going to one day be set free? You've, you've, you have been. You have been set free from sin. Have been. It's already happened for you. Sin has no dominion over you. You have been already set free from sin. Sin is not your master. And you cannot serve two masters. You serve one master. If you're a believer, you serve God. If you're lost, you serve sin. And you do it willingly. Believers, you serve God. Truth. Period. End of discussion. You are God's. He's not giving you over. He's not renting you out to another master. You are God's. Having been set free from sin and have become slaves of what? Righteousness. You are slaves of righteousness, not sin. You are slaves of righteousness, not sin. Get this, right? Do you get it? Yes, head nods, head nods. Who are you? Slaves of who? Righteousness. You're slaves of righteousness. Who is righteous? God is righteous. You are slaves of righteousness. You are slaves of God, friends. I'm speaking, verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Now, this I want us to go back to the second sentence in chapter 19. For just as. Is this the first time that we've seen that kind of structuring of, of the text? No. I'll just go ahead. For time's sake, it's not. Before, you were raised just as who? Christ? Just as. Just as. So I want us to pay attention to this particular wording here and what he's trying to tell us, right? Verse 19b. For just as you once presented yourselves as members, or your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more and more lawlessness. How did you do that? You presented. You were willing in, right? You didn't have to be wrestled into sin. 
When you were lost, you sinned because sin was fun to you. It pleased you very much to sin. So you sinned and you continued in that to deeper and deeper sin. Deeper and deeper lawlessness. So just as you gave yourself over to sin, willingly enslaved to it, Christians, give yourselves over to righteousness. Be enslaved by it. Do you know the end of it? It's not death, but life. It's not death, but eternal life. So just as you once lived willingly, don't think that we're up here to try to twist your arms or legs into service. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? I'm not trying to guilt not a single one of you into service. I want to tell you who you are. I want you to know truly what you're to live for. And in that, I don't have to twist a leg to serve. Glory be to God, you will serve because that's who you are, believer. You will Just as you gave yourself over to sin, give yourself over to righteousness. You will. This makes these kind of messages the most awesome message. Because as, as we watch and see this church change, as we watch and see, how many men alive 10 years ago, I would never have imagined that we would be sending out mission teams, right? Pray for it a lot of times. God does work. I just want you to know, right? I just want your minds to be changed. I want you to be aligned. Do you know what this is called? Sanctification, right? This is, as a believer, I can trust as a preacher of God's Word that He will do the work of sanctifying you. So that when it happens, I don't want you to say, Son, he must be a prophet or something. Because I ain't. I know the truth of God's Word. God changes His people. It ain't prophecy. It's the truth of God's Word. You will be changed. You will be changed, friends. You will be changed. Thanks be to God and God alone. Know this to be true. Rest in this. Your lives will change. And I can, I can stand confident because it's already been said. So I don't have to be like, is that prophecy or is that borderline? I, I know that a lot of folks are uncomfortable with that. That's God's Word. <laughs> it's not a word from the Lord in the sense of a prophetic word that you're hearing from me. But you will change because God's Word tells us that you will change. I will change. Because God's Word tells me that I will change. I am not a slave of sin. I am enslaved to righteousness. And I give myself over to it willingly. Believers, you will give yourselves over to it willingly. Because that is who you are now. That is who you are now. Oh church, arise. Amen. Oh church, arise. Lord, that Your Word would pierce the hearts of Your church, that we would rise up to be who You have called us to be. So now, present Your members 
as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin. Do you, do you see this? I want you to see this, and I want you to go back and review the whole book or the whole chapter 6 for when we get over into chapter 7. You'll be having that hammered into your mind, were slaves, were slaves, were slaves. Slaves no longer to sin. For when you were slaves, you were free in regards to righteousness. What does that mean? That you weren't obligated to live righteous lives. You, in fact, didn't even think of it. It never crossed your mind. You were not obligated to righteousness because you were living in sinfulness. Oh, but now, oh, but now you are not obligated to sin. You've been set free from it, and you're not obligated to it. You're obligated to the one who saved you from sin. Verse 21, but what, was, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? Clearly, shameful fruit is what we were producing before God came and rescued us. But that is not the case for us now. That is not the case for us now. For the end of those things is death. But that's not the case, believer, for you now. The fruit that you will produce will be righteous fruit leading to sanctification. The end of that will be eternal life. Secured by the work of Christ for you in your place on the cross. This is where we stand as believers. right? This is who we are. Verse 22, But now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads where? To holiness. To sanctification. And its end is what? Eternal life. So God has saved you. And the end result of that is what? Who's doing it? Whose work is it? Will he fail in his work? What hope do you have? All your hope is where? I love hearing this, man. I love hearing this because as this study has gone on and on, y'all have got more and more vocal and y'all are speaking truth. And it is so sweet to my ears. Such a sweet thing. Thank you. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I want to stop here for a moment because this last verse of chapter 6 tends to be a verse that we will use very early on in our Romans road. Right? Right? Do y'all see where that verse actually falls? Now I want you to I want let's let's review that verse one more time and then we will we will end in beautiful worship. For the wages of sin is death. What you worked so hard for leads where? To death. 
to death. Believers, what you were working willingly for, the fruit of that slavery was death. Now, you believers have been given a gift. You have been given a gift. It is yours. Given freely by our Savior. And it leads to what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Where is that life found? What does the text say? In Christ Jesus. And who is He? Who is He? Who is He? Can we praise Him? Can we praise Him? Let's pray. Lord. I thank You for who You are. I thank You for what You've done for us already. I thank You for what You are doing in us today. I thank You for the truth that You have saved us. You have rescued us. You have called us from death to life. And You have not stopped there, Lord. It gets better and better and better. You continue to wage war with us in the midst of this life sanctifying us, showing us who You are, leading us deeper and deeper into truth, leading us deeper and deeper into righteousness. This is what it means to be sanctified. It's not our work to be done. It is Your work that is being done. Lord, that we would embrace the truth of this as believers. Lord, that that this would... Revive in us a spirit to wage war against sin. Because we are not slaves of sin. We would wage war against sin because sin has lost its sting on us, Lord. Because we are found in You and You alone. This hope that we have, we will never, because of this life, because of this war, because of this wrestle, we will never say that it was us. Lord, when we step foot into eternity because the life that You've allowed us to struggle in, You will reform our minds so that we see that even in the struggle You were teaching us, even in the battle You were teaching us who You are, so that You teach us to think right thoughts about who You are. And this is going to lead us into an eternity of worship, Lord, that we would know You more that we would know You more, that Your church would, in fact, arise to the place that You have called us to, that we would go and share this news, because what wonderful news it is that You have made a way for the wayward soul. It's in Christ's name and for His